Welcome to the podcast for The Abbey, a vineyard church located in Columbus, Ohio. You can find previous sermons on Apple Podcasts or on our website at theabbeycolumbus.church. There, you'll also find important announcements along with the location and time of our in-person gatherings. Now, here's this week's message. Hey, it's really good to be with you. I want to highlight a couple of things before I, I jump into our teaching this morning. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you for bundling up, getting in your car, driving here, parking in an icy parking lot, walking into the door, grabbing a cup of coffee, and settling in your seat. I just want to say you're, you're, you're crushing it already today. Like, that's amazing, and I really appreciate you being here um, I know that winter is hard in Ohio. How many, how many of you like, feel like winter in Ohio is like one of the hardest things of, of the universe? Anybody else feel like that? Okay, a couple of you. We should have a little support group or something. Um, and the second thing I do want to highlight is this um, sort of transition to some community formation groups that we're going to launch next Sunday. Uh, the, the goal and the vision for that is that we would eventually have some of those all throughout the city. And so we were going to multiply those as we are able to multiply them. And um, part of some of our strategy around our, our gathering of rhythms is to really create some space for you to dive deeper into those kinds of relationships. And the last thing I want to say, um, you're like, wait, is this all announcements today? But the last thing I want to say is uh, this summer, we are even going to shift some of our rhythms a little bit more. One of the things about this beautiful space is they take it from us on a Sunday morning in the summer. And that's okay. We've got our space at Wild Goose Creative. We're going to continue to gather for our Lectio Sundays. We're going to gather for community groups. Guys, I want to just say to you, there will be so many opportunities for you to connect with people in the summer. We just had a, a planning uh, half-day retreat last week where a group of us thought through what our summer is going to look like. We have some exciting things, I think, that we're going to roll out. So many different ways uh, for you to connect with people in the summer, for you to dig deeper into your life of formation with Jesus. Um, we're going to have worship nights here. Uh, we'll probably do some worshiping outside. We're going to throw parties at the park. We're going to do picnics. It's going to be a great summer. So I just want to say to you, things are going to shift, and there will be plenty of opportunity to connect. Does that make sense? Okay. So don't, you know, I, I think as we talk about, like, summer's going to be a little different. I just don't want you to hear, like, oh, man, like, things are going to go away. There's not. There's actually going to be more uh, on the plate for summer. And so, Okay. So a few weeks ago on Sullivan Avenue, some volunteers at Sanctuary Night, which uh, Hannah just mentioned, which, by the way, uh, you're going to hear much more about that in the upcoming months from Hannah. Um, Hannah, what's the opening date at this point? Could you just give us a ballpark here? March 15th. All right. She's totally making that up. Um, Hannah's run into some construction troubles. Guys, um, I want to, can we just give Hannah a hand right now? Come seriously. Guys. Hannah has been pushing a boulder up a hill for like three years, and she is doing a wonderful job of that. And if, for those of you who don't know, Sanctuary Night, um, as Hannah mentioned, was sort of midwifed in the context of this community, birthed by this woman over here. And it's a place that's offering sanctuary to women on the west side caught up in a cycle of prostitution. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a volunteer who told me a story of what happened as they were kind of shutting down for the evening on a Monday night. Two women from the street walked into the front door, and one of those women 
was extremely hungry and one of them didn't have adequate clothing for the impending weather that was upon them. And the food for the evening had been put away and the clothes had been boxed up already. And um, as, as it came time to lock up the doors, the first woman uh, was sort of still trying to figure out, how am I going to eat? And so the volunteers found some crackers lying around. Obviously, that's not enough, but they were like absolutely out of food. And um, the first woman, still trying to figure out where, what she's going to eat uh, and where she's going to find her next meal. And the, and the second woman, the woman who had come in without adequate clothing, they'd actually found a pair of boots for her, by the way, which was really great. But the second woman says this to the first woman. Why didn't you tell me you were so hungry? When have you ever asked me for food and I have not been able to find you food? Everything I have is yours. Let's go get you something to eat. I have food at home. Now the volunteer that was telling me this story told me that when she heard those words come out of the second woman's mouth, what she heard them as was the words of Jesus from the second woman to the first woman. Beautiful little story, right? Fast forward earlier this week at the grocery store where you could find people on the front side of a snowstorm stocking up on household goods, filling up grocery carts with toilet paper like we're at the beginning of a pandemic, like we haven't done this before, not two years into one. Or think back with me to the last Black Friday shopping event that, do you guys remember Black Friday when everybody's at the store? I know prior to the pandemic that was so far far away, but people lined up at Best Buy and Walmart outside the door at midnight for early access to whatever big screen TV or gaming system is available this year for 20% off. So in the first story, we meet a woman on the street who's willing to give what little she has to her friend, and the volunteer watching this unfold can't help but hear out of her mouth the words of Jesus. In the second story, People who are primarily living a life of abundance walk into a warehouse that's full of stuff and end up pushing people out of the way to save a couple hundred dollars on the newest electronic gadget. The first story is a story about people who actually don't have much at all. In fact, in reality, are living in a story of scarcity, but somehow find within a life of scarcity a way of living into generosity. And the second group of people are people who have everything they need, and yet they live in a story of scarcity. Does this make sense? You guys see this unfold a little bit in your life. If you live into generosity... The words you speak end up sounding a lot like the words of God, because God is generous. And if you live in a story of scarcity, you end up acting with sort of an irrational level of behavior where you're willing to push people out of the way to fill a need that you think you have that you actually don't have. One story leads to becoming more like God, and the other story doesn't. And so I want to talk with you this morning about generosity and how to escape the story of scarcity and how God is healing us of scarcity so that we might be more generous like he is generous. So friends, we're in a month-long series, many month-long series, I should say, that I've titled Becoming Human. And if you haven't like listened in, uh, I just want to remind you, we do have a podcast. I want to encourage you to go back and listen because part of what we're doing and part of what we're saying is a bit cumulative, which means like we're kind of building a bit of a case for what does it mean to be a human being and how do we become 
more like God. And the main question that I'm asking you to sit with during this teaching series is to consider the possibility that you have yet to become a human being. That you are in fact in a womb where you are being formed in a, in a womb, which by the way is a community. The, the womb that you're being formed in is called the church. We're going to talk about that. And all of the things that happen in the life of the church, the joys and the pains, the things that we celebrate, the things that we need to forgive, are a womb of your formation where you are becoming a human being, which we are defining as becoming someone that knows how to love as God himself loves. I'm trying to give us an imagination where we can begin to think about the weakness and the struggles in our own life, not out of a place of shame, not out of a place of like, I need to beat this thing out of me, but rather as I'm a human being, being a human being is really hard, and I'm asking God to transform me from the inside out to make me more like him. That's the context that we're walking through the entire year of teaching. And the very good news is that God, by his grace, is making you like him. Is that, I mean, how many of you know that? Like, that's really good news. But how many of you also feel the distance between what you are right now and what you long to be? Okay, so you're not alone in that. And we're trying to settle into that feeling and to recognize that we don't need to freak out because we're not there yet. He who began a good work in you is going to complete it. But it's going to take your, your entire life. Okay, so we can look around and we can say, you're not quite yet a human being and that's fine. Because I love you and I know that you're on this journey towards becoming more like God. That's sort of the kind of community that we're trying to be here. Jesus, by the way, is the firstborn among the humans. He's the one after whom we are modeled. Let us make the human, says God in the garden, in our image and in our likeness. And friends, this is something that we have to be reminded of over and over again. Being a human is hard. And we're on our journey towards becoming like God. And I, I think this is a, probably a different story than some of you have heard if you've grown up in church. Um, and I'm trying to help that story make sense a little bit. So there's very broken and wounded places in your life and in my life that God is revealing his power and his presence in. So if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we looked at the story of Jesus healing a blind man, taking dirt from the earth and spitting in it and making mud and putting that mud on the blind man's eyes. And the idea is that all of the places of weakness and lack of formation in your life are in the process of new creation being spread on that spot. I wonder if you've had some time to think about where in your life needs the new creation of God's power and presence in your life. So let me read the passage again for this morning. If you have a Bible, please go ahead and turn there. If you don't, we have a Bible on the wall for you. So then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? 
Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all of these things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So friends, Jesus offers this teaching in Luke chapter 12 in response to somebody in the crowd. So Jesus is teaching and somebody in the crowd yells out to Jesus. He says, hey teacher, tell my brother to give me half the inheritance. Tell him to divide his inheritance with me. And so Jesus is like responding to something that's unfolding in real life. And in the ancient Near East, an older brother got twice the inheritance as all of the other brothers. Did you know that? I think it's super unfair, unfair, but it's just the way that life was at that point. And so this guy is asking Jesus to come in. And it's not the case that the older brother is withholding any of the inheritance. It's actually rightfully his. It's that the younger brother is stuck in a story that... My inheritance isn't enough. Somehow my inheritance isn't enough simply because my brother has twice as much as me. I mean, this is like normal everyday circumstance. He's stuck in a story about his life where whatever he has received is simply not enough. And so Jesus' response to him, and we could back up and read this in the passage. He says this, he says, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And then Jesus goes on to tell him a little bit of a parable. So what what happens is this is all happening in a crowd. And so Jesus wants to, I think, remove the focus on this one guy's story and make a more generalized story. And so he tells a story about a wealthy farmer who has a bumper crop. And the farmer begins to think to himself... What if I tore down this small barn so that I can build a bigger barn so that I have enough space to store all of the extra crop that came in this year? So he offers a new story and uh, he tells the story to get to be able to say what he really wants to say, which is this. There is a different story that we can live in where we get so caught up in the story of God that these kinds of questions and anxieties and worries about our earthly riches can fade into the background. It's an entirely different story that you can live your life in. And so Jesus offers us a really clear way to get free from a a feeling of scarcity. And the the first step of that is to consider the generosity of God. He says, look, listen, look at the birds. Think about the birds. They don't sow or reap and yet God feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than them? Look at the flowers. Just look at the way they grow. Look how beautiful they are. 
Don't you think that God will clothe you in greater splendor than he has clothed these flowers? Jesus' instruction for this man who's sort of stuck in this story about scarcity is to offer to him to think about the generosity of God. That God is generous. And the, the way out of a scarcity mentality when we're constantly focusing on what we don't have is to think about how generous God is. By the way, this idea, this kind of scarcity mentality is quite a bit of a, a human phenomenon. It's a universal human experience. We all struggle at times with focusing on what we do not have versus what we do have. Can anybody relate to this at all? Okay, so some of your arms are just tired. You just don't want to lift them. That's okay. So we tend to focus on the things that we wish that we had rather than the things that we do have. And this could be material wealth, it could be food or clothing or like, I remember there was a season of my life that I was trying to become like a wine drinker, like I wanted to drink really good wine. I had a friend uh, who like drank really great wine and, and I was like drinking $5 bottles of wine, which by the way, mostly don't taste very great. And I was so frustrated, I wanted to drink $12 bottle of wine, <laughs> you know, but I was but I was poor. I couldn't afford $12 bottle of wine, or I thought I was poor. So this could be for you whatever it is, material wealth or food or clothes. But more often, it also relates to relationships and community, invites to parties, promotions at work. We always focus on what we don't have and what we aren't experiencing rather than what we do have and what we are experiencing as a gift from God. A scarcity mentality, which is the belief that there's never enough of the thing that you wish that you had. That's what a scarcity mentality is. It's so pervasive in our culture that psychologists have begun to research the ways that this way of thinking can impact our cognitive ability. It actually changes the way our brains works. So psychologists from Princeton University have begun to study the impact of a scarcity mentality, particularly on people who are actually living in a scarce world, namely the poor. So these women on the street they live with some scarcity mentality. And what researchers are beginning to discover is that when you're constantly focused on what you don't have rather than grateful for what you do have, it actually impacts your cognitive function. It creates anxiety and worry, which is why Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't be anxious about this. If you've ever been caught in this scarcity mentality, you know that this way of thinking can quickly become the only thing you can focus on. And so one of the implications of some of the research that I've been reading about the scarcity mentality, and particularly as it faces uh, these folks that are actually in a cycle of poverty, is that if we ourselves get stuck in a pattern of scarcity, which we can have even when we're not poor, by the way, Wondering if there's going to be enough time or money or relationship or friendship or community. All of this can lead us to a place of anxiety where we cannot focus on anything but that thing that we want. Does this make sense? Does anybody relate to this? The way of Jesus is to turn our head a bit. He's turning our shoulders and he's saying, I want you to consider how generous God is. Do not be anxious about your life. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. And the Apostle Paul picks up on these very same words in his letter to the church at Philippi. And he says, 
uh, do, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but rather in prayer and in supplication, make all of your needs known to God. Or as my friend Tyler sums it up, do not be anxious about anything, pray about everything. Do not be anxious about anything, pray about everything. Friends, the scarcity wound from Eden, this comes from the Garden of Eden. Think with me about our first mother and father, Adam and Eve. They have this beautiful garden and everything at their disposal, except for one tree where God said, yeah, don't, don't take from that tree. And then they become hyper-focused on the thing that they don't have to the degree that they completely ignored all of the gifts that God had already gave them so that they could taste of this one particular fruit. The healing of our scarcity wound from Eden gets fleshed out when we confront that scarcity by considering that we live in a story where, where we have a Heavenly Father that knows what we need and that we can access a reassurance of God's provision through an ongoing conversation with God. Consider the generosity of God. Do not be anxious about in anything. Pray about everything. So we think about the generosity of God, and it's not just in this metaphorical sense about birds that aren't farmers and flowers that aren't seamstresses. Think about the concrete ways that God has been generous to you in some season of your life. And so even if you find that you are in a place where it feels scarce, what Jesus is inviting you to do is to think about the ways that God has provided for you over time, not just right now. So if you find yourself in a season of lack right now, what Jesus is saying is think about a season of provision. Listen, friends, um, as we, God, I hope we're coming out of the pandemic. How many of you believe that? Do you believe that we are? Okay, so we have some optimists, we have some skeptics, that's fine, we're going to get through it, okay? Everybody is living in a place of scarcity right now. Can I just say that to you? We have all been living a life where it feels scarce because it has been scarce. So if you're feeling, I don't know anybody who is wealthier now than they were two, two years ago. If you know those people, I would love to talk to them actually. Um, I'd love to know how that happens. I don't know anybody who is more rich in relationship now than they were two years ago. Most of the people I talk to are feeling lonely and excluded and secluded and struggling financially. How do I pay the bills? Is there going to be enough? And it's because we've experienced a global trauma of scarcity. And so I just want to say that to say that you're not alone. But if you live long enough in the story of God, as you go through, through seasons of different uh, levels of scarcity and resource in your life, you get reminded that you and I live in a different story and that this story of God's kingdom can heal you of a scarcity mentality. So when we do this, when we immerse ourselves into the story of God, our eyes turn towards the ways in which God has been generous to us. And so if you find yourself in a season where you're struggling relationally, think about the way that God has provided for you in friendship and relationship since the time you were born. That's all God's provision. He's so generous. So seek his kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. 
So friends, listen, I know I'm like preaching a sermon right now, but I'm not just sharing this bit of scripture in a detached way as though I myself am on the other side of this. Guys, one of the things I've noticed about myself over the past two years is that my own struggle with living in a framework of scarcity has been a problem and heightened in the pandemic. I've been up late at at night worrying about all the things that Jesus describes in this passage that I should not worry about. I've had entire weeks and, and months where all I could think about was what this pandemic was taken from me. Um, I've noticed times in the past two years where I, the curvature of my life has become interiorly focused or just focused on the people in my household The curvature of my life is focused on, is there going to be enough resources? And I just want to say to you, I mean, listen, this is a public confession. I have been anxious and worrying and living in a place of scarcity over the past couple of years. I can feel it in my body. I can feel it in my soul. And part of me saying this out loud to you is that Together, I want to lead us out of that place of scarcity because I absolutely believe that if we turn our attention on the generosity of God, that God will heal us. I believe that I'm a human being, that for some odd reasons and some reasons that I can or cannot explain, I got fixated in a place of scarcity in some ways, but I'm now coming to God and saying, God, I want you to heal me of that. So I don't don't have any shame in saying it out loud to you because I suspect that many of you are in the same boat. So I'm I'm not talking theoretically about what it looks like for us to be freed from scarcity. I'm trying to lead myself and allow myself to be discipled by Jesus towards a place of abundance. Roberta Bondi says that the thing that prevents me from loving is probably very different than the thing that prevents you from loving. The reason I want to be healed from my scarcity mentality is because I believe it prevents me from loving other people. And I wonder where that has shown up for you in your life. Whether it's, maybe it's the basic provisions like food or clothes, maybe it shows up in the envy of other people's relationships, maybe you always feel like you're on the outside looking in or wondering if you are going to be invited to the table of fellowship around around a table because you feel lonely right now. A scarcity mentality in relationships often results in us pulling back farther away from what we actually need, which is to give ourselves to forming deeper connections with other people. You see how that works? If we feel like we're lacking in relationship, what happens is we tend to back away from relationship. But what we need to do is we need to push through that. We need to move towards people. And we need to give of ourselves because that's how relationship works. So I want to close with some really practical things. And I want to encourage you to go and revisit this text over the next week or so. Jesus basically says that we can practice our way towards being generous like God is generous. We can become unstuck in our scarcity mentality by practicing generosity. And I want to close with two really practical points. One is about us as a community and one is to try to to help you think about something as an individual. 
Friends, my hope is that we can become a church in this city that lives with radical generosity. And here's the thing. We have, over the past couple of years, we have been a church that has lived with radical generosity. We've, we've uh, supported Hannah's work in Sanctuary Night. Um, we had a shared economy fund. We chipped in at the beginning of the pandemic. And we spent all of that money just caring for each other's needs. We had a wonderful team of people that thought about what does it look like for us to, to receive this money and give it out, and it's all gone. <laughs> We've been radically generous over the past couple of years. And um, in order for us to be able to do generosity again in the next season of our life, friends, the way that churches do that is they pool resources together through tithes and offerings, and then we can create gatherings like this where we get to worship and pray for each other. And eventually we get to serve our city. Does this make sense? And now you're thinking, oh man, this is a setup. He's just asking us for money. I know how this works. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, it's kind of what I'm saying. But I'm saying a very practical way that we as a community can live into generosity is that we pool our resources as the community of God. And then we have resources to serve as a community, our city and our neighbors. And my hope and my prayer is that you could, uh, you could really hear me here. You know, the Apostle Paul, in these various moments in Scripture, he says, I don't seek the gift that you are giving. What I seek is the benefit that will come to you. And that's my heart, even in saying this to you, is that, friends, if you, if you feel like you're clinging to your money, I want you to give some money away. I want you to give it away. This is a great place to give it because we're a community we're trying to build. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to do that, we'd encourage you to begin giving so that we can be a community that is generous. And it also helps your personal mentorship and discipleship towards Jesus that you can become more like God through an act of generosity. And so when the Apostle Paul says, I seek the benefit that comes to you when you are generous, that's exactly what I'm saying to you as your pastor. Okay? Do you believe me? Okay. Secondly, I'd love for you to be thinking throughout the week, who can I be generous with radically? Not giving to the church, though, again, let me reiterate, I do want you to do that. <laughs> but just look for ways throughout your week that you can practice generosity. And in practice generosity, you become more like God because God is generous. This is how we grow into becoming more like God and grow into the fullness of who God has created us to be as human beings. So in order to become a human being, we, we turn our attention towards the model of who we were meant to be like which is God himself. To receive by grace the invitation to love as God loves and to model our life after God's very own life in the person of Jesus. And the way we do this is we reflect on who God is and we allow that intimate experiential knowing of God in conversation with God to inform who we then become. And in this case, we're talking about how to become more generous and to free us from that scarcity mentality that I think many of us are suffering from two years into a global pandemic. So let me, let me pray in closing and then we're going to worship.
Lord, we long to be all that you have created us to be. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would even come now, God, and that you would point out graciously in our hearts where we have fallen into scarcity, be it time or resources or clothes or food, but even relationships, the the ways that we feel like we're so lonely and that there's never enough. God, I pray that you would bring your healing touch right now into our hearts, Lord. God, teach us how to turn towards generosity so that we might practice our way towards becoming like you. By your grace, God, fill us up. God, even now as we worship, Lord, I pray that you would miraculously begin to heal us of the wounds of scarcity that are so prevalent in so many of our lives. God, we receive forgiveness for the ways that we've turned away from your generosity, the ways that we've blocked out uh, a thoughtfulness about who you actually are, all the resources that you've given. Fill our hearts, Lord. Fill our minds with your generosity as we worship together. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, I want to return to uh, part of the scripture as we head into our time where you can go ahead and be seated. We're going to create some space just to hear from the Lord and, and have an opportunity to speak life and encouragement into one another. I want to turn to this, this part of the passage in Luke chapter 12. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And he says this, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to just sort of put an end cap on this a little bit. Um, I don't know if, if you are meant to sell your possessions and give to the poor. You should ask God about that. But what I do know is that the thing that Jesus is pointing to is that there is a story about the kingdom of heaven that God has already given you in abundance so that even if you were to sell your possessions and give to the poor, you'd be fine because of the riches of his generosity in the kingdom. And the thing about our treasure is that where we give our treasure, our heart tends to follow after. And so as you think about this idea of scarcity, Think with me about where you're feeling scarcity in your life. If it's in possessions and resources, if it's in friendship, if you're feeling scarce in relationship, maybe time. Wherever you feel the scarcity is where God is calling you towards generosity. Because as you are generous with your treasure of time or energy or relationship, or possessions, what Jesus is saying is that your heart follows your treasure. Does that make sense? 
So when you give to the poor, your heart becomes near to the poor. When you feel lonely and you want to retreat from relationship, if you give towards relationship and give of yourself, your heart is going to follow the way of connection and healing you of scarcity in relationship is generosity. And the same is true of our time. 